0: Well, I want you to give a big round of applause to our guest speaker tonight, the fantabulous, Mr. Nicholas Mitchell. Good evening. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, future. Oh, man. I love being here on the next level Wednesday. That's kind of what I'm talking about tonight is getting to that next level with the Lord in our own lives where we start out and we're just babes in Christ and we crave that that spiritual milk because it's all that our stomachs can handle at the time. But, you know, God doesn't want us to stay babies forever. He wants us to grow up big and tall like Pastor Guy and be strong like me and (laughs) and and be able to stomach some of that meat. Some of that some of that really just diving into the word of what, what God really has to offer for us outside of Jesus loves us and stuff like that. And get a little bit deeper into his love and his will for our lives. So I'd like to start out tonight telling you about two men that I know very well. And one of them was a dope cook. He cooked meth in this trailer park and he did this for several months he had friends they all knew how to do it they used it they sold it they had all the ingredients in there cooking it up in their trailer right and i don't know if any of y'all i hope you haven't ever had the misfortune to come into contact with meth but if you have anything could spook you if somebody just bumps into the wall makes a little noise your friend coughs or something you all of a sudden you think the cops are at the door you get totally spooked out right so this happened. Somebody dropped something, made a little noise. So the guys in the trailer, they thought the cops were coming. So they jumped in their pickup truck and started driving down the road like maniacs. Now, I don't think there was any cops chasing them, but the way they were driving, trying to get away, there probably did turn out to be some cops chasing them. They were going down this backcountry road where all you can see is trees on both sides of you, and they're going probably 80, and it's a 45. 45. 90 degree turn comes up, they whip the wheel to the right and the truck flips does three barrel rolls in the air, lands upside down in the ditch. One of them yells to the other one, it's go time, it's time to go. They unbuckle, they both run their separate ways in the woods and as they're climbing into the trees, getting past that tree line, they see police officers pulling up. There really was cops following them because of the way they were driving. Nobody knew what they were doing in their trailer, but driving like maniacs, being scared high out of their mind, and cops see them. So this goes on. They keep getting spooked like this. They continue using. They continue selling. And they don't sleep for weeks. And that's half of it. I want to take a little side note right now. Rest is very important. Resting in God is very important. Half of the high that you get from crystal meth is just staying awake all the time. If y'all ever stayed up for a few days in a row, you just notice how your your mind is just a little bit weird. You have to sleep. You have to rest. You have to recharge your batteries. Just staying awake will mess with your mind and make you start seeing and hearing things. So that night, those men slept in the ditch in those woods as they were running away. But like I said, they continued to cook the dope. They continued to use. So they flee the state. They go to a different state. And in this state, one of them had a warrant out for his arrest. And... Y'all know a paddy wagon when the feds come in and they they got 10 guys with assault rifles loaded up and they're chasing him down, and they start chasing him through the woods. And one of these men dropped to his knees. He takes his paraphernalia that he'd been smoking with out of his pockets, takes his pocket knife out because he doesn't have a weapon on him. When the cops finally get to him and he drops to his knees, he starts praying. He says, God, if you can keep me out of jail, I'll stop using drugs. I'll stop selling drugs. So, lucky for him, he's the one that didn't have the warrant on his life. Uh, the police officers are signaling to each other in the woods. One of them whistles to get the other attentions. Now, both of these men, both of these dope cooks, they consider whistling back. They think it's their friend. But really, all these police officers have already surrounded them in the woods. So the one that dropped to his knees and prayed, he got away. He just walked straight out. They didn't want him. He didn't have a warrant. They wanted the other guy. So, of course, he didn't stay true to his covenant with God. He said he promised he would stop using, he wouldn't do it again. But he did. He kept using for years and years. He kept selling. He went back into his old habits until he finally hit rock bottom and decided to sober up. Now, let me tell you about another man I know. This man, you know, he made mistakes. He had a past. He might have used drugs, but he sobered up. He started going to church. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He allowed God to make a difference in his life. He didn't just incorporate Jesus into his life. He fully surrendered and completely gave over every part of his life to the Lord and started following him and started living for him. This man, he loves helping people so much. He'd be walking in the automotive entrance at Walmart and see somebody coming out, of the supermarket grocery store entrance and sprint clear across the parking lot to go help them unload something out of their basket that's how much he cares for people people at his job just know that he's a nice man he's a wise man he's not gonna he's not gonna lie to them he's not gonna go behind their back and backstab them he's gonna do what he says you're gonna do you can count on him if you ask him to cover for you or get some work done he's gonna do it now let me ask you something which one of these two men does god love Amen. That's it. He loves them both. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. God loves us both. See, when you're a parent, if you got a child that's living for the Lord with their full heart, and you got another child that's maybe not doing that so much right now, you don't stop loving that child that's screwing up. You don't stop loving them. That's still your creation. That's still your child. But there's some things that that child's missing out on such as the blessings that come with following the Lord. And we're going to look at some of those tonight. In Romans 5.8 eight says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God loved us while we were still sinners. I love that. We're going to flip over to Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ, It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So a righteous person is somebody that lives right, lives correctly, right? It says it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It doesn't say it's through faith that everybody has life. That's a lot of the stuff I want to look at tonight. We can't just say, oh, everybody saved. I came down to the altar, I prayed a prayer, I said, I want Jesus now, I want Jesus to save me and take me to heaven, because I know I'm going to do all this bad stuff I've been doing, I'm going to keep doing it, but I want him to take me to heaven. It says that through faith, the righteous person has life. It doesn't say everybody. Look at verse 18. But God shows his anger, from Heaven, against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, they know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. So you tell me that God can be angry against somebody that already knows about him. I, I know about Jesus, I asked him, you know, I wanted him to take care of me and take me to heaven, but he could still be angry at me. I could if I'm suppressing the truth by my wickedness, if I'm still living in some sort of sin. Instead of letting my light shine, it's covered up by the darkness that I'm involving myself in. That's suppressing the truth, and God's angry towards me. Let's look at Psalms 119, verse 45. Right in the middle. Psalms 119 verse 45 reads, I will walk in freedom for I have devoted myself to your commandments. See, when you truly give yourself over to what God's showing you in his word, then you will completely walk in freedom. Not just anybody gets to walk in freedom, not just because you go to church or you say that you wanted Jesus in your life. You have to actually give yourself completely over to him to access and unlock this freedom that you want to be able to walk in and go to the next book Proverbs verse 10 or chapter 10 verse 29 says the way of the Lord is a stronghold to those with integrity but it destroys the wicked see it doesn't even say that the way of the Lord is a stronghold for everyone It doesn't say that the way of the Lord is going to help everyone and protect everyone. It says it's a stronghold to those with integrity, to people living the right way, but it destroys the wicked. We're going to go back to Romans in chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Thank you, Lord. It says don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from sin? Because God's full of grace. He's going to keep showering you with grace and mercy and forgiveness, right? But why is he being so nice so I can just keep sinning? I mean, he's being nice. He hasn't he hasn't punished me terribly bad for it yet and just little things so I can keep living the way I want to live. He's blessing the stuff I'm doing. Right. No, that's not right at all. He's doing it to turn you from that. He's showing you that even when you're not acting right, he's still going to love you. He's still going to be kind towards you to make you want to stop doing it. In verse five. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. God's going to judge me? Verse 6. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. But I prayed the prayer. I walked down when pastor called for the altar call. I said, I want Jesus in my life. So I get to go to heaven, right? I'm good. I can do whatever I want. It says you're going to be judged according to what you've done. You're going to be judged for the good you've done. You're going to be judged for the bad you've done. You're going to be judged. Now you can't work your way into heaven. This is Romans. This is Paul. This is justification through faith. James is the one that's talking about you got to have works with your faith. Paul is the one that's like, just have faith. And Paul is the one talking about judging. Being judged. In verse 6, he will judge everyone according to what they have done. Every little small thing. If you've been faithful with that small amount that God's given you, you're going to be rewarded for that. You've been faithful with the large amount God's given you, you're going to be rewarded for that. He doesn't expect you to do something that you can't do or live out on means that he hasn't given you. He's not judging you according to what I do or according to what your neighbor does. He's judging you on a person-by-person basis. Your standard, your only standard is Jesus Christ. There's no other man or no other woman or what no one else says you're supposed to be doing, or no other morals, is Jesus Christ is the standard of what you're going to be judged by, and what he's given you, what he's provided for you. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 9. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first, and also for the Gentile. I mean... I wouldn't say what I'm doing is necessarily evil. Yeah, I still do the stuff I did before I got saved, right? But I mean, all my friends, they all listen to that same kind of music. And, you know, even though it's talking about abusing women and murdering people, I really just like the beats and my friends listen to it. So it's okay, right? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's evil. I just, you know, I still kind of use a little bit. But no one ever knows. No one knows last weekend when I went down to the link. None of the church people, no kids were there. So I wasn't a bad witness, you know. I just drank a little bit. It wasn't a big deal. But, like, I know God's blessing it because Becky at work, you know, she always gets these crazy migraines, and I pray for her, and she gets healed. So, you know, God wouldn't heal her through me if if he wasn't blessing what I'm doing. Of course, you guys know this isn't right. I'm being sarcastic, right? (laughs) But see, but see, these thoughts really enter our mind. We really try to get confused and Satan will say this stuff. So if I can make light of it and make it seem so stupidly obvious to us, then the next time that we're presented with something like that, that we can say, well, I laughed at Nick when he said that, and I knew that clearly he was lying. So the next time I hear that lie, I can remember what Nick said, like, I know that ain't real. Look at verse 13. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in his sight. So just listening to what Pastor said about marriage on Sunday, I mean, you know, I held my wife's hand when he said it, and I smiled. But I mean, I don't have to actually be nice to her or do stuff for her, right? I just—I mean, I heard him say it. Everyone saw me in church when he was preaching on it, so they all know that I was there, so they all assume that my marriage is going good. If I come on Sunday when he's preaching about marriage, you know i got a good marriage. I'm better than the guy who didn't come listen to it. I know some stuff he don't know. I don't have to actually use it. It's just kind of like in the bank for the next time that she's kind of in one of those moods. And I can, I can say all this because I don't have a wife, so it's really easy to preach on. Verse 16. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Why is he talking about judging again? This is, I thought Paul was all about faith, judging. I don't like this judging stuff. This is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Well, I already told you, you know, nobody knew I was drinking down at the lake. Every time I watch pornography, I lock the door. So like, it's not hurting anybody, right? It's totally, like, it's fine. I buy my drugs way, way, like hours away, so nobody knows. No one here knows that I do it. He's going to judge our secret life. Our secret life. Like I'm saying, it's not affecting. I still come preaching the church. You guys don't know what I'm really doing. He's going to judge our secret life. See, we don't answer to man. We're not accountable to man. God's always there. He knows what you're doing. He always knows. He's your accountability partner. He is your accountability partner. He knows what you're doing. Every time you did that, it hurt him, and he cried, and he sat there and he saw it the whole time. Every time, man, this, I don't like this judging stuff. Let's go to Matthew. There's Pauls with judging people. I don't know. Matthew chapter six. Y'all could all quote this. You don't have to turn there. Y'all, y'all can trust me. Matthew chapter six, verse thirty-three. You don't need to. It says he will give you everything you need. I like that. That's a lot better than the other verses we've been reading. Matthew six thirty three. He will give you everything you need, right? That's good. I like that. That's my kind of God. Get, oh, there's something above it though. What's what's that's He'll give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything. Oh, you gotta do something for him to Oh, okay. So So that's why I Mm. That's why I couldn't feed my kids. It says I gotta go after God first, do what he wanted me to do, and live the right way. He'll give me what I need. That's why mm, I was wondering why I could my lights got shut off because see the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. I thought he was just I thought I was just I prayed the prayer and I said, you know, I want Jesus to be in control. But it says I gotta actually do something for him to but bl- well, this ain't helping me out any more than Romans was. Let's go back to Romans. That's not making me feel any better. Romans chapter three. I gotta do something for him to I gotta actually work for it. That's weird. Romans three verse five. Maybe Paul gets better in the next chapter. He won't talk about judging so much. Three, five, But some might say our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? You know, that's true, because I, I like my friend Tina, right? We hang out by the pool and just sitting there getting a suntan, all the kids swimming around in the pool and stuff. But see, one of the other kids like jumped on her kid's head when she was in the pool, but you know, I like Tina because she's a good Christian. She always invite me to church. She's cool. We drink on the weekends and stuff. But see, when we were at the pool and that kid jumped on our kid's head, then she started yelling at him and cursing him out. Oh, you little I'm going to and tell your and you ain't never going to be able to. But see, I like that she did that because she showed me that you be a Christian. You can still you still like a normal person, you know, you ain't got to be perfect. That's what Tina kept telling me. She, so she still cursed out that kid. So I went to church with her because I'm like, oh, that's the kind of God I can get on board with. You know, like she's she's still going to curse at these kids and stuff. But I like her. I like her. That's kind of like I can still do my own thing and I can still go to heaven and stuff. So that's this is merely a human point of view. And I really got to read the whole verse. I messed up in Matthew, 2. It's merely a human. All right. Verse six. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would He be qualified to judge the world? Why is it talking about judging again? God's going to judge the world. Hold on. Who is Paul writing to in Romans? These must be like some wicked sinners or something. Was it a church in Rome? It was to Christians? Paul was writing to this to Christians? Like an actual church? Like... Like, like like, the kind of Christian, like... I was trying to think of somebody famous I could say, but I don't want to question anyone's faith. I don't want to do something bad like that. But, man, he was writing this to Christians. So he's going to judge Christians. That's what you're telling me. All right, you guys said that. I didn't say that. God's going to judge Christians. Verse 7. But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory, and some people even slander us by claiming that we say the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Well, I'm telling you guys, Tina. After she cursed that kid out of the pool, I went to church with her the next week. Like it was, it was a really good witness. Cause to me, if she was being like all holy and stuff, I'm like I wouldn't want to hang out with her. So I, I mean, I thought it was a good. We're still talking about judging. I'm done with this judging stuff. Let's go to First Peter. Maybe Peter. Peter sounds like a nice guy. Got to be nicer than this Paul guy and Matthew. They're trying to give me the change and do stuff. I don't know what that's about. We go Peter, chapter one, verse fourteen. So you must live as God's obedient children. That's what I'm... Okay, this is nicer. I'm a child of God. I like that. I'm God's kid. He's got my back. You know, parents always take care of their kids no matter what. So I like live as God's obedient children. That's good. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. Well, I mean, I'm learning. Like, I know know some stuff now. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily slipping back. I've just kind of always kept doing... A little, you know, some of this, a little something, something here and there. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. I don't know if I know any better now. Verse 15. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge. There we go. Judging. again. I, sh- I should have stopped. At si- Let's go back to 16. I didn't want to talk about judging again. 16. Be holy because I am holy. So God just wants me to be like him, right? I mean, he does whatever he wants. I can do whatever I want to do, right? Be holy because I'm holy. Now it's saying be apart from wicked and evil and perverse and sinful things. Be apart from the darkness, God is separate from the darkness. He calls us to be separate from the darkness. I mean, I don't really drink anymore. It's just all my friends are there, so I go play pool with them. You know, I go play pool in the bar and stuff. Like, it's cool. I might have one or two beers, but, like, they're getting smashed. They're getting hammered, you know. But, like, I'm not I'm not getting drunk. I just, it's what we always do. It's what we always do. The Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. There it says again, He's going to reward us or judge us according to what we do. So every good thing I'm going to get rewarded for, every bad thing I'm going to get punished for. But I'm still going... He still loves me, right? I'm still going to heaven. But it says you're going to get judged or rewarded according to what you do. I thought it was just all about faith. I thought it was just, I'm a Christian. You know, I read my Bible like Saturday night, so I'm a little fresh, so I kind of understand what pastor's saying the next day sort of deal. I pray for my food if I'm not in public and stuff, but I'm going to be judged. I don't know why he keeps saying, I thought God was nice. I don't know why he keeps judging me. Let's go to chapter 2. Verse 11. These guys are all talking about judging tonight. Dear friends, I warn you as a temporary residence and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So I was just talking about this. You know, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a worldly desire. That's why I can still hang out in the bar with my friends. I'm not, I don't say it's a worldly desire. It's just, I like being there. Like, I like the way it feels and stuff. It says wage war against my soul. Like, I don't know anything, I'm not thinking about a soul when I'm in a bar, so I don't know what a bar has to do with war against my soul. Like, I'm just having fun. I'm only 25, you know, they say, you know, sow your seeds and stuff when you're young. I don't know. We'll go to verse 15. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. So I can't just do whatever I want. See, God's freedom, people think these are just rules. It's like a rule book and it constricts you and constrains you. But really it opens your mind and your heart up to endless possibilities of a loving father and a world beyond our imagination and stuff that we can do that we can't do any of this stuff on our own strength. On my own strength, I could not be standing here tonight. I couldn't do it. It's God. I didn't think I was going to say this part, but both of those two men I talked about at the beginning of the sermon, that's me. That's me. I fled the state because I was high out of my mind on myth. I did not think I was going to say that. Some of y'all would have figured it out anyways, but on my own strength, I wouldn't be standing here right now. It wouldn't have been possible. Let's go to Psalms 34, verse 5. So what we're looking at now is something called a covenantal blessing or a covenantal curse. It's like when you make a covenant with somebody, if I say, I'm going to give you $5 and you're going to give me a cheeseburger, right? If you don't give me the cheeseburger, I'm not going to give you the $5. So that's how it works. It's an exchange. If you don't work today, you're not going to get paid, okay? If you don't do the dishes, she's not going to be happy, right? All right, so verse 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. This does not say that everybody's going to be joyful. It doesn't say that. Because I'm a Christian, I got the joy of the Lord. It says, "Those to look to God for help will have joy." All right, verse ten. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Well, I already told y'all early. I'm there's some you know I keep praying for this new motorcycle I really want, and God just hasn't given it to me. But it says, oh, those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So I just messed up twice. I ain't been trusting in him, and that's not even a good thing. That's not even something I need. I already got a car and a bike. So, okay. All right, verse 12. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. That's how you live a life that's long and prosperous. It doesn't say... Everybody is going to live a life that's long and prosperous. It clearly says people that lie and that say bad stuff aren't going to have a long and prosperous. What is prosperous? Money, maybe, not just money. It could be spiritually and stuff too, but do you want to live a long time and be rich? Don't tell lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Verse 14, second line of verse 14. Search for peace and work to maintain it. 15, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. This is called an anthropomorphism. Okay, it's kind of like personification, but it's a little bit different. So anthropomorphism, we're giving human qualities and traits to God. So what we're saying is God has an actual human face. We're saying if you ain't acting right, he is turning his face away from you, against you, away from you, right? Right? But it says that the eyes of the Lord are watching over those who do right. So if you're not doing right and he's turning his face against you, his eyes aren't watching over you and his ears aren't open to your cries for help. So it really does a lot weigh on the way we're living, not just on being a Christian and being saved, but how am I living on a daily basis with this power and this strength and this knowledge that he's given me? What am I using it for? What am I doing with it? Verse 19. The person who lives right, that's what righteous person means, faces many troubles. But uh, I'm a Christian, I'm going to face troubles too. I really should show some better verses tonight. These are not encouraging me. But the Lord comes to rescue each time. Oh, okay, that's encouraging. The person that lives right faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. But, does you know, my friend has really been struggling a lot lately, they just got fired. And I don't know why God is, why isn't he rescuing them? It doesn't say he's going to rescue everybody. It says the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. He's going to rescue the righteous people. Hmm. Verse 22. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So redeemed, he's going to save them, right? He doesn't say he's going to save everybody. He died for everybody. He's everybody's king. He offered it to everybody. He died for the whole world. God loves the whole world. But he's only going to save those who serve him. All right. We'll go back to 1 Peter again. He was a little bit nicer than Paul, right? chapter 4 verse 17 1 Peter 4:17 all right and 18 for the time has come for judgment again and it must begin with God's household and if judgment begins with us what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? The people that live right are barely going to be saved? What's going to happen to godless sinners? I mean, I'm a sinner. You know, everybody sins. But like, I asked Jesus into my heart, so He's cool with me doing it every day. And I even pray, I'm like, you know, if I forget to ask for forgiveness when I do it again tomorrow, just kind of like give me one in advance, you know? 'Cause God, I mean time to him is kind of it's all the same, right? I'm being sarcastic again. All right. For our, almost our last text. Chapter five of First Peter verse one. And actually, y'all don't have to read. I'm just gonna you can read it, but I'm just gonna paraphrase this one instead. Uh first Peter five, verses one through six. And now a message for the people who have been Christians for a long time. This, Just so y'all know, this paraphrase, like, I'm not messing with you right now. This is really basically what it says. I'm being serious. And now a message for people who have been Christians for a long time. I'm also a person that has been serving God for a long time. And I will also be happy when everyone else in the world lives for God. As a mature man of God, I have some things to ask you to do. Help the people that God has given you to help. Be happy and ready to help them because God lets you help them, not because you have to. Take care of people during their time of need because it is the right thing to do, not because God is going to reward you for it. Don't act arrogantly to the people you help and presume that you're better than them because you're not better than them. Instead, live a godly life so they will learn how to live by watching you. If you do these things, then when Jesus returns you will be given a crown of never-ending glory and honor. And let's read verse 6 again in the real NLT translation. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. See, that's not right. Uh, verse 4, I'm sorry. 5-4. I can't read the old, this translation that I made up myself. And when the great shepherd, chapter 5, verse 4, appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. See, what this is saying is, yeah, it's talking about pastors. It's talking about people shepherding their flock too. But it applies to all of us who aren't pastors, right? If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're staying on your job and being faithful in your work, then at the right time, you're going to reap the reward if you don't grow tired of doing the right thing. It says you're actually going to get a crown of never-ending glory and honor but it doesn't say everybody's going to get this see some people are going to go to heaven they're not going to get crowns some people are just going to barely get in what well, that last thing we read said it said that if the if the righteous people barely make it in what's going to happen to the wicked sinners some people is going to be like the flame bite the flame biting at their heels right on their way up to heaven and they ain't gonna hardly have nothing up there but some people you know every good work you did i'm not talking about even necessarily saving souls. But whatever job God has given you, whatever he's told you to do with your life, you're going to be rewarded based off of this. You're going to be judged based off of how you squandered your resources and how you use them for the glory of God, no matter how much you had or how little you had. Even if God just gave you a couple dollars, he expects you to use those couple dollars wisely. If he gave you $100,000, he expects you to use that wisely. And yeah, you're going to get a lot more done, right? But God's not judging you and comparing the two people together. He's only judging you off of that one standard, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only thing He's judging you off of. See, for God so loved the world. He loves us all, right? Everything I said tonight, all all the backhanded remarks and antagonistic jokes that I made tonight, God loves every single one of those people. He loves us all the same. Even if you're not walking in God's will, which all of you are, you're at church here tonight. I would, I would wager that you're all in God's will right now. You are attempting. Maybe you weren't this morning or last night, but most of you were. But you are here right now. You're in God's will. You're trying. You are trying.